In school, everybody preferred multiple choice answers, right? But for podcast conversations, fill in the blanks are the way to go. On today's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast, my good friend and former host of this podcast, Jason Ross, also radio broadcaster for the Sacramento Kings and Sac State Hornets, joins me for some Sacramento Kings fill in the blanks right here on Locked on Kings. You are Locked on Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time. Time for another episode of Locked On Kings. Hello and welcome into Locked On Kings, your podcast tough for Sacramento Kings coverage all offseason long. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started. My name is Matt George. I have the privilege of being your host here. I'm a Sacramento sports uh, anchor and reporter at ABC 10 News. And many of you who know my story know how important Jason Ross has been to my career. He's been an amazing friend and mentor. He's the reason why I kind of got into this uh, business in the first place, helping me get my first internship at used to be uh, Sports 1140 KHDK Radio. Now it's Sacktown Sports 1140 Radio, where he has been for a long, long, long time. Uh, and anytime I can get Jason on the podcast, it's always a lot of fun. We always have fun chatting, and I figured he'd be a great guest to do this uh, fill-in-the-blank uh, podcast with so many different fill in the blanks topics and 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 things from uh, like we're we have the highest expectations for this player or this is the most important thing that the Sacramento Kings can can fix or correct like we have a lot of different fun Kings fill in the blanks that we also want you to be a part of so whether you want to answer all of them or pick one or two to answer them. Please uh, share your thoughts and share your answers to these Kings fill in the blanks. Uh, you can send them to me on Twitter if you'd like at Matt George Sack. You can email me mattgeorgesports at gmail.com. Or if you're uh, watching on YouTube, just uh, copy and paste the fill in the blank with your answer in the comment section down below. But for right now, here are some Sacramento Kings fill in the blanks with my good friend, Jason Ross. I always look forward to right before the season starts because I always can get Jason Ross to join me here on the Locked On Kings podcast. Bring him back. And before we get into the uh, the conversations that we're going to have today, Jay Ross, you have had quite the year and some change uh, with your broadcasting career from the Sacramento Kings finally making it back to the playoffs last year and working, of course, with the G-Man on the radio broadcast side of things to broadcasting Sac State football, the amazing season they had last season, and then just over a week ago, calling the Sac, uh, Sac State Hornets, defeating and upsetting Troy Taylor's Stanford Cardinal. It's been quite the year for you. I'm really hoping that continues with more Kings basketball this uh, this winter. I hope so, too. I'm having so much fun. I really love this. I mean, it's when you're passionate about something, it's great. I'm passionate about the Kings, passionate about Sacramento State, passionate really about Sacramento. Uh, I love doing uh, broadcasts, whether it's, you know, pre-games or post-games, halftime, or play-by-play, uh, -play, which I truly love. And so it's been great. Uh, watching the Hornets build and grow together has been awesome. And last year, Matt, you and I were out at all the games, too. I think the first year, uh, like that come-up year, is so much fun. And, yeah, now there's expectations for the Kings I'm sure we'll get into. But they deserve that because last year of what they did. And I think that first run-through is, is, is about as good as it gets. So I have a marketing idea for like a Kings and Sac State crossover. Of course, you have the the pinky, the stingers up, right? 
But yeah. could the Kings somehow make this into the beam too? Like, could, sure. this, could this be like a beam, like a stingers up, but also light the beam pinky raise for Sacramento? I think we got to get it done this year. So, kingers up King. or light the sting? Ooh, I mean, I, I'm, I'm trying to. I kind of like light the sting. I'm not going to lie. Okay. Like, so, although, light the sting. I, although the Charlotte Hornets might try and make a play on that, and I don't like that. Yeah, but they're not, but they're not the they don't win. That's a good point. That's a point. Yeah, oh, that's a good point. They do not win. Sorry, sorry, locked on Hornets. Nah, they're not listening. They're, okay. they're too busy trying to figure out how to how to fix their team, which we've done way too often here on the Locked On Kings podcast going into the season. So it's nice, nice, Jay Ross, to go into a season and actually have high expectations uh, for this Kings squad. And and as much as like the last year and some change has been some of the best times of your life, I'm sure. Let's go back to some other amazing times of your life, which is basically like elementary school. I have like an elementary school style uh, podcast here today because I have a bunch of like Sacramento Kings fill in the blanks, right? Just different questions or different topics that we'll discuss and we'll fill in the blanks with our own answers. And we'll start with a... Is this uh, like Mad Libs? Kind of, except hopefully not as chaotic. Uh, okay. This, so the first one would be the Sacramento Kings got better this offseason because... Blank. Okay, because of the few personnel that they did add. I mean, I think for the most part, they kept the team, the core group together. But if you look around the edges, and I say edges, I think by the end of the year, Matt, maybe a guy like Chris Duarte could be in the finishing lineup. Sasha Vizenkov. I mean, there's so much excitement there. JaVale McGee. I, I think they did a really good job of what they've added around the edges of this roster while keeping the core together. And I think if we just go back to last year, some of the potential breaking points could have been the trade deadline, which I think a lot of us are like, well, what are the Kings going to do? They really didn't do much, but the rest of the West did. And for some, it was better. For some, it wasn't. The Kings stayed kind of consistent, rolled with that group, and it proved to keep them in that three seed. So I think they know they like what they have. I also know they won't settle with what they have. It doesn't have to be decided in this past off season. And so I think they just kind of made I think they had a big wide map of things to work on. And this is kind of where the map took them based on, you know, other decisions, other GMs made too. My answer to this is actually time. I think the Sacramento Kings got better this offseason because of time. You mentioned like keeping the core together and the fact that last year's group accomplished all that they accomplished with the vast majority of those players having never played together before. I mean, with De'Aaron Fox and Harrison Barnes being the longest tenured Kings, they still are glad to see HB back. But now this core, this group together will come training camp, have a full calendar year together, which is pretty crazy to think about with how great of chemistry they had last year. So I think time is definitely on the Kings side. That's a good one. Yeah. I'm with you. I mean, continuity time. We're, we're, we're basically on the same, same page. So let's talk about this then. Let's get this out of the way. Like, a, there's an obvious answer to this that I think a lot of Kings fans will will fill in the blank. But your biggest concern with this team, at least heading into this year, is blank. Well, let me ask you. Maybe the obvious one isn't hitting me, unless it's like the. Are you going health? No, as the, the obvious. I would or say defense. Like the, the defense, like okay. the, de okay. the defensive issues, which is not actually my answer because uh, while you're kind of thinking about it a little bit, like when I think I, the Kings know that they have to fix their defense and correct their defense. And I think the expectation is that they will get a little bit better. But my honestly biggest concern about this Kings team is that they might focus so hard on 
fixing the defense or working in certain areas and correcting certain areas that they're unbelievable strengths of last year, particularly their scoring numbers, they might start to dip a little bit and that we'll see kind of the Kings brand of basketball change as a result of focuses elsewhere. And I don't know how much to read into the defense being better during the playoffs, but the Kings offense being worse. Was that fatigue? Was that the strength of the Warriors defense? Or was that because the Kings were focusing so hard on the defensive end or making such uh, effort, putting in such effort on defense that it was taking away from some of their offense. So one of my biggest concerns is just the Kings not being able to get back to or continue the unbelievable historic offense that we saw last year. I think that's a really good one. And it, because my thought going into this camp, because last year was so new, so fresh, we didn't really know what Mike Brown would be for this team and the staff. A lot of it was new. Um, I think they maximized the best part of the team, which was their offense. They found that. And knowing that that should still be good regardless, I feel like this camp they can now focus in on defense. I take some things from the postseason last year where De'Aaron Fox said, look, now we know we can do it. I would like to have seen us play this defense in the regular season. And then if we could go up another level in the postseason like they did, then maybe they can prepare for that. I think you're right. I think it's a combo of um, probably fatigue, playing so hard, so intense, so much pushing and shoving in the playoffs. I think your offense gets zapped out a little bit too. I mean, the legs and just it's nothing's easy in the postseason. So I think they had to go through that experience. I think the other part I would say is just the expectation. It's just mm -hmm. of the league wide, their own kind of handling all that. They could maybe win more games. Maybe they lose more games, uh, but can they still find themselves in the right spot come playoff time, assuming that they can get there to, to get to the goals they want? Yeah, the weight of expectations, I think, is is a really, really good one, especially coming from Sacramento, because what, what other teams think of the Kings or not, it's whatever. And actually, uh, you, you look around the league and hear at least national pundits talk about the Sacramento Kings in particular, talk about the Pacific Division, which I believe to be the best division in basketball. And they still think the Kings are going to go from the top of that division to the bottom. But the bottom of that division is probably still in the playoffs. So mm -hmm. expectations maybe outside of Sacramento are, this Kings team still needs to prove it. But here in Sacramento, it's like, we're finally here. We finally got back. It took us 16 years to get there. We're, we're not going back. We're, we're moving onwards and upwards. Plus the expectation that the front office and the coaching staff have put on this team of like, we're trying to open that championship window. We're trying to take a, another leap in addition to what the Kings did last year. So all those expectations, I think are a really good answer. And then you brought up health too, J Ross. And I want to touch on that really quick. And cause I'm curious to get your opinion on this. I think it's a big ask for to, to ask or expect the Kings to be as healthy this season as they were last season because they were healthy by a massive margin. But at the same time, you talked about the additions on the edges that they made this offseason. I think depth-wise, the Kings are in as good of a position as they can be. Obviously, you lose your stars for a long period of time. Nobody can really recover from that. But I think the Kings have put themselves, and Monty McNair has built this roster and put this roster in a position to where they can afford, they can handle being a little less healthy than they were last season without it kind of tanking their year. You're right. And I think in a sense, like the Fox-Sabonis combo would would be damaging. Now, they could handle it, but they, that would do the most damage. But no offense to any of the other projected starters, Herder, Keegan Murray, maybe Harrison Barnes, whatever, whatever they end up settling on, they can live. They can thrive even without a guy or two if a guy has a, a four- to six-week injury, which nobody wants, but that's the reality of the league. 
it, what's funny is I still, in the big picture, think they were a very healthy team. I think that's the, the most accurate way to describe it. But I have heard others say, well, Sabonis still did break his thumb. Mm-hmm. And Fox still did injure his finger in the playoffs. I said, these are all true. But, I mean, they didn't miss him for bulks of, bulk of time. So I, I still think the Kings were on the right side of that. Like I said at the top of the show, today's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast is brought to you by FanDuel. Jump into the action of the NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets whether you win or you lose. So put $5 down on the San Francisco 49ers or Las Vegas Raiders spread for uh, for week four of the NFL season. Or do it for the Monday night football game tonight if you want. Like put that, put that $5 down and you can make it on anything you want without any kind of fear of winning or losing. Because if you win, great, you're already in the green. You've already made money. If you lose, doesn't matter. You got $200 in bonus bets for you to make that $5 back and then some. Because FanDuel doesn't just want you to bet once or twice and either cash in or lose all your money and then log off and never play again. FanDuel wants you to continue playing. FanDuel wants you to enjoy the fun that is sports betting uh, and adding that as a side uh, part of the hobby or lifestyle of enjoying sports that we all have. So if you're thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. You can bet on so many different things from spreads to player props, over-unders, and more. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. We have one heck of an opening weekend of this season. Friday night, home opener, Warriors. Sunday night, Los Angeles Lakers. Focusing on that Warriors game, national TV game. I love that the vast majority of the national TV games the Kings have this season are in Sacramento. I think clearly the NBA wants to showcase that Kings crowd more. So Jason, home opener against the Warriors. The Kings need to blank. Back up the crowd. Because to me, of the rise that they've been on for a couple of years, if there's a disappointment, they haven't been dominant at home. They're good. Crowd's great. Let's go to the playoffs, Matt. You win game one and game two. That Those were such great atmospheres. It's going to be tough to lose the series. It's still very possible. It obviously did happen. They had two chances, two more chances at home and lost both, game five and game seven. Home games aren't given to you. But, I mean, what they did to win game six was heroic. I mean, that was impressive. They they should have gone in there and basically wilted. They didn't. They played maybe their best game of the series. So you do all that to come home, to finish the deal, to play in front of your home crowd, and the best player goes off for 50. That was Steph Curry. So um, there's been stretches where, oh, look, you and I may be talking, hey, this five-game homestand, what do you think? Four and one, three and two at worst. They go two and three, maybe even shock us and go one and four. They've done that here recently. So I think they need to back up this home crowd, home vibe, home feeling, the revenge of fans feel it in game, first home game of the year. That's fine. Um, They need to become a 30 plus win team at home. I agree with that 100% for the entire season. I think the, the the Kings defending home floor is going to be a big next step for this team. And if, if Monty, really wants to have this team accomplish that 50-win goal that he set for themselves. It has to be as good as they were on the road last season. They were actually a better road team than they were home team, which is crazy. As good as they were on the road, and I still think they can be good on the road, That's that shouldn't be the expectation for them to get even better on the road and not at home uh, for this uh, this team to, to accomplish that 50-win goal. But to be a little bit different, I'll add this. I think the Kings need to force 
an adjustment or two from the Golden State Warriors. And what I mean by that is I know I want to see the Warriors do the exact same thing defensively against the Kings as during the playoffs. I want to see it again. I want to see Kevon Looney sagging off of, of uh, DeMontis Sabonis, daring him to take that shot or put the ball on the floor and attack the basket. I want to see a copy and paste version of what the Warriors did to Sacramento to throw them out of their rhythm. And I'm not expecting in game two of the season, first shot at the Warriors again after an offseason for the Kings to have fixed all those problems. But I expect something to be better to where the Warriors have to make another adjustment. And maybe it's something that they have in their back pocket that we still haven't be, uh, seen yet. But I want to see all the aces up the Warriors sleeve or at least another one. Uh, come playoff time, or rather come game two. So the Warriors can't just do the same thing to Sacramento because you know other teams are going to be paying attention to that too. 100%. And I do know for a fact that that's something that DeMontis Sabonis specifically has been working on. I mean, he have, they were working on the counters to the way he was defended. And I think as the series went on, he got better. He's been knocked for having a bad series. I think that's a little too far, but he wasn't the same player in the regular season. That I can agree with where, I mean, he was dominating games. So Warriors did a great job. They tried to take him away. They let Fox, they didn't let him go, but Fox had the bigger of the series. But yeah, the counters, what do the Kings do if the Warriors defend that the same way? I'm looking forward to that. I would also love to see all five starters make a pretty significant impact because you could argue that with the exception of like, at least like Keegan Murray finally got going in game four onward. But with the exception of De'Aaron Fox, who again, hurt his finger, four out of the five Kings starters struggled pretty heartily in that, series and the Kings still took the Warriors to seven games. So it'd be pretty cool to see all starting five just come out and say, you know what? No, like uh, even Harrison Barnes, like this former team, I just signed a new contract. This is our time. Sit down old, old Warriors. So yeah, Monk was so great. Bench Lyles. They just had a lot of bench guys. And I think their bench is deeper now too. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. All right. Well, Jay Ross, that uh, this could be your bench answer could be an answer for this. Uh, this next question. You're most excited about blank this season. Um, I don't know if it's the bench, but I'm going to say what's next. And what I mean by that, and I don't know who that is, um, like De'Aaron Fox, we look at people taking jumps. And I think logically we're going to say Keegan Murray, and I'm anxious to see what Keegan's jump is. But Fox went to another level that I, maybe I didn't even know he had, and there might even be more. And Sabonis, there might even be more. I don't know that I would have predicted. I think we all thought, okay, can these guys get all-star appearances? But all league was great. And De'Aaron now, when people start talking about league's great players, here he is in the top 20. Where can he ultimately get to? Um, he showed off in the postseason how great he is for the big moment. So I say what's next. Um, and again, I, that kind of encompasses a lot. Probably the bench. New faces like Vizankov. Does he become this huge lefty sniper off the bench and, and a huge big shot maker. Um, I didn't anticipate Kevin Herter during last year, making some big, big plays. Um, I, I am excited for Keegan Murray. I'm, I'm curious about what's next for Davion. Um, I think for about five years, I've wanted JaVale McGee on this team and he may play limited minutes, but he may be so impactful. So uh, it's maybe the unpredictable because I think we go into a season expecting certain things and then as it goes along, it morphs and changes. And even in different pockets where you're like, hey, this guy's really important for these 10 games. And then all oh, the back end of the year, it's another player. So kind of the unknown is what I'm excited because I think the unknown is positive as opposed to something lurking there like, oh, man, I, if it falls this way, it's going to be bad. I, I think more things are pointing to positive things for the Kings. 
Yeah, my answer to this is actually Mike Brown. And specifically, mm. it's the next kind of level to Mike Brown's plan. Because you go back and you listen to and think about the things Mike Brown said over the course of last season. And how right was he on basically everything that he was talking about? Especially, he said, like, this kind of rebounding, this kind of play is going to kill us in the playoffs. It ended up killing him in the playoffs. And then Mike Brown at the end of last season talking about, like, De'Aaron Fox can get to this, or I think De'Aaron Fox can get to this level. And he's coached Kobe. He's coached LeBron. So he knows that it's what's the next level of Mike Brown's plan. Of course, the personnel, the players have to actually like, they have to actually execute on the floor, but this is where I wish I could just be a fly on the wall of the Kings practice facility for training camp, not to see all the secrets, but just to see the next layer of the cake that Mike Brown is, is is trying to add to the foundation that he built next year. And and that also includes his coaching staff too. Like I, I, on the last episode, Jay Ross, I I talked about how I think this is absolutely Jordy Fernandez's last year here in Sacramento. I think it's a foregone conclusion that he's going to get a a head coaching job next season. And he should have gotten one this season, to be honest with you, but I'm happy he's still here. But what can this coaching staff do now? How can they add on? to what the Kings did last year. That's what I'm really excited about for this year. Yeah, I love your thought about Mike Brown, Matt, because I, I that was carefully crafted what he said about De'Aaron. Mm-hmm. I mean, you don't just throw that out there that, you know, loosely and not. I'm challenging him publicly. It's nothing I haven't said to him privately, but I'm saying this because I think he can get there. And to me, that's, again, exciting. Like, De'Aaron has jumped into a top 20 player, but, I mean, Coach is talking – I think his term, he said he can be elite, elite. Like, he put two on it. Yeah. And, you know, there's a few players in this league that are there. And if he's that, now you're talking MVP conversation. And, Frank, I mean, that's – again, I think highly of De'Aaron. But if Coach thinks that, I believe it too. And if he can get there, how good can this team be? Well, that feeds excellently into this next fill in the blank. And I'll go first on this one because I'm, I, I, I'm very interested to hear what your answer is to this. But in addition to – that next layer for uh, Mike Brown adding to this Kings team. The most important things the Kings can do in training camp to me is figure out their rotation and lineup combinations. That's where I'm hoping J Ross, they let us into training camp right at the very end. And typically we see like sometimes scrimmages or we see the end of drills or whatever. And and I want to see more scrimmages because I just want to see what the pairings are on the floor. I don't think we're going to get the starting five versus bench five very much. I think we're going to, we're going to have to see what Duarte and Sabonis look like together. What Fox and Sabonis uh, and Vizenkov look like together. Fox and Monk. Like there's just so many combinations. Mike Brown's one of his most difficult jobs is going to be not just finding playing time for all these guys, but finding the right combinations that can work. I agree. And I think, um, you know, the season they adjust so much too. And one puzzle I have, and I'm sure you've talked about it here, Matt, is, you know, in the end, when the, at one point, what, two or three weeks ago, when the Kings still had Kata, they still had Nerlens Noel, they kept Alex Len, we know they have Sabonis, and then they added JaVale McGee. I think we're all like, okay, good, but how? Like, how is this all going to happen? And all of that, I kept going, you know what, in the end, after Sabonis, I feel like Coach is going to play, play Trey Lyles. Mm-hmm. Like, number one, we're even talking about. Mm-hmm. So that goes back to your combinations, rotations. And, you know, Coach kind of leaned last year a lot to people he trusted and then offense, 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 which I also now want to go back to game seven. And I, I'm still having a hard time understanding that process where when they were behind, I know you need offense. 
But the best player clearly in the game was Steph Curry, who got loose for 50. Mm -hmm. And your best defender, no doubt about it, is Davion Mitchell. And he didn't play a lot in that game. Now, there has to be reasons. There's method to a madness. But I think that getting locked in on rotations, getting locked in on roles, and just, okay, maybe this game you need JaVale McGee more. Maybe this game you do play Trey Lyles more at the center. Hey, we need more uh, bigger guys off the bench. Here comes Vazenkov. We're going to keep Keegan in there and and not play Monk or Herder. So I think they've got the ability to do a lot of different things, but I think they need to be able to identify that and hopefully hit when they when they go to those moves. All right, what about this? I'm expecting a lot out of blank this season. Well, I'm going to go to Keegan. I'm going to go to Keegan Murray because I the expectations are given for Fox and Sabonis. But I'm going to go to the California Classic. It's just one sample of two games. But you could tell they clearly asked him, you probably can't shoot enough. If you shoot 100 times, it's fine. And, you know, we know Keegan. We see him. He, he defers a lot. He'll, I don't want to say stand around, but he's got great talent around him. And he just needs to be aggressive. And if he's aggressive, it's better for him. It's better for the team. Um, I think they're going to have great balanced scoring. But if De'Aaron's going to live in that mid-20 scoring range, it might be best for this team, Matt, honestly, if Keegan were the second leading scorer. I don't know if that's going to happen this year quite because Sabonis still is gifted and can get 30 and get mid-20s. But if Sabonis was living in that 17 range with the lead in the league and rebounding and a bunch of assists and Keegan's in 18 or 19, that might be nice knowing that some night Herter scores 30, some night Vazenkov scores 27 to lead you. Barnes can still do that. A monk certainly can, but I'm expecting the most out of Keegan because I think he can do it. I think the organization knows he can do it. That's the guy that's going to come in with a, a reputation, but an opportunity to kind of even be the third or fourth man, but still thrive. I think it's a really good spot for him. Yeah, Keegan is the correct answer. I do have an honorable mention, but I, I, I'm I'm not going to use it because it's for a different. It's my answer for a different fill in the blank. We'll jump to that one right now, just so we can discuss it while we're thinking about okay. it. But I think blank will pleasantly surprise us this season. All right, my guy is Duarte, and I know there's a lot of other people on people's lists. I probably should go Javale McGee because I think his fit for this team um, is going to be perfect. He does run the high post that. Golden State did. He certainly is a guy that can redirect shots and change shots. That's a, It's like he's the combination of what they want in Kata, what they wanted in Nerlens Noel, what they have in Sabonis, and he's kind of wrapped up in all that in some sort of skill level. But all that to say, I'm going to go back to Duarte. I think Duarte um, started his career very well with Indiana, kind of got locked out in numbers there. And now as a bigger wing, uh, defense, offense, Moves a ton. I, I I don't know. I have this hunch that like Monk surprised a lot of people last year. I think Duarte's my my surprise guy this year. And we know for a fact that there are a lot of Kings. Uh, there's a lot of members of the Kings organization that are major believers in Chris Duarte. Just uh, we we found that out pretty quickly this offseason already. And on, in addition to that, like how much weight or stock do you put into Chris Duarte having the success that he did as a rookie? with Sabonis and you can see the drop off as soon as Sabonis leaves. And we know the relationship that they had on the floor. They both speak, uh, speak Spanish and, and the communications they had. Sabonis definitely took Duarte under his, his wing. Of course you can point to injuries with Duarte too, but I think the Kings are banking heavily on getting these two back together and kind of unlocking Duarte that way again. 
Yeah, it's also moving out Sabonis and adding Tyrese and Buddy Heald. I mean, they got two more perimeter type guys mm-hmm. when they already had, and then they draft Matherin. I mean, just a lot of things. He just got caught up in a log jam. And it takes about five minutes to realize anybody playing with Sabonis will be better. I remember talking to Kevin Herter last year. I don't know that he was ultimately super thrilled to be coming to Sacramento after being in Atlanta, but his agent quickly told him, no, 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 you're going to love this. You're going to love playing with Sabonis. And he does. I think Keegan does. I mean, he makes everybody better. So, I mean, if you can move and shoot, Sabonis is going to find you. So, yeah, he's he's going to be great with Sabonis. So this was my honorable mention for the expecting a lot out of answer, but I think Davion Mitchell will surprise us, pleasantly surprise us this season. Because defensively, we know what he brings. This is his third season in the league. And then I think the pleasant surprise will come on the offensive end. Because it, it felt like towards the end of last season, he really started to figure it out. Like he he hit a couple big corner threes. Uh, he just he just seemed more comfortable on the offensive end versus the first two thirds of last season, J. Ross. It just felt like it just felt like he didn't necessarily know what he was supposed to do. And it kind of like his responsibilities of, as a ball handler were taken over a little bit by Malik Monk, which I think was the right decision. And he just didn't necessarily know offensively what he could do to keep himself on the floor so that defensively he could be as impactful. Some of that, I i mean, a lot of that I put on him. A lot of that I also put on Mike Brown and the coaching staff and kind yeah. of figuring out how to use him too. So I think more time together, now more familiar with his game a little bit, him understanding what Mike Brown and the coaching staff wants. I think we could. it doesn't have to be an explosion on the offensive end, but we could be pleasantly surprised by his impact being so at least steady offensively that the Kings have to find minutes for him because of how good he is on defense. Yeah, I think it's a huge year for him, not as far as staying in the league. The guy, he's got a place in the league, but it's a huge year for him for this organization. And anytime trades are talked about, people, you know, throw his name in or, hey, this team would want Davion Mitchell. It's like, ooh, I don't want to give up on Davion yet. But they've got to decide, you know, what kind of role he can have. Because you're right. I mean, if he's coming off the bench, that's perfect. And a lot of people automatically go, well, he's your backup point guard. They didn't use him that way. I mean, he was really off ball because of, Malik Monk, which you're right, I think was the right decision there, but he still is a lethal defender, and if he can score just enough as an offensive player off the bench, then then he's just fine. And it's just enough to be enough of a threat to where defenses have to honor you, and if they leave you alone for a three, hit hit a decent amount of those threes. Make them pay for it, because you can't just... Yeah. You can't just have a defender sagging off you to help on Monk or Fox or anything and slow down the Kings offense because uh, you're you're out there, especially with the pace of the Kings and space the Kings like to play with. Let's talk about the Pacific Division. Blank are the biggest threat to the Kings in the Pacific. I'm going to take the easy answer. I think it's the Phoenix Suns. I mean, there's just so much talent there. They got to sort that out. They lost some, some of their depth, but then they added, you know, some short-term contracts in there. I, I mean... I'm going on that. I was, I thought honestly, and I was wrong. I thought they would pass the Kings uh, last year at the trade deadline when they made that move. I think Bradley Beal is going to be great for them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I would put them. Uh, I hate to say it, I, I like what the Lakers did at the end of last year, and then certainly mm-hmm. even this off season that redirect because they weren't very good. I mean, that and that's the thing where when the Kings played them, they didn't really play that version of the Lakers. Um, Clippers are super talented. Uh, and then the, I mean, it's again, expect all five likely to, to be in contention to make it. But I, I think the team that jumps out to me, I still apologies to, to the Warriors and the rest, but it's, uh, it's the Suns. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it has to be the Suns just because of the, the moves that they've made. Like that is a team that assuming that they can stay healthy and, and to be quite honest with you, like 
the NBA fan and all of us should want that team to stay healthy just to see what they can do. Like that lineup is just so talented and so star studded. They're going to have to take time to figure out how to play together. And that's where I'm hoping that teams like the Kings can, can beat them out in early matchups uh, during the season. But I mean, the Suns are literally built to win a championship. That is it. That is what that team is built for. So they have to be the biggest threat in the division. Plus a full season of, of Durant with the team again, hopefully staying healthy. I think is a big a big deal there. Um, and then I like what you said about the Lakers because even I can even put my Lakers bias and hatred aside and say like they've done a phenomenal job from changing their team over. And then I I hate to say it, but I think the addition of Gabe Vincent this offseason is a big mm-hmm. deal for them. I love that pickup for the Los Angeles Lakers because I'm a big fan of Gabe Vincent, Stockton Zone, and of course uh, Stockton Kings legend, legend Gabe Vincent. So those two teams in the Pacific are going to be dangerous. I think you could put the Warriors in that conversation too. That leaves just one team that might be the obvious answer for this this opposite question. But the Kings are the biggest threat to blank in the Pacific Division. What do you mean? As far as who who's I guess. Are you looking at the top? Like, are they the big? They got to be the biggest threat to the Suns. Then, if I'm putting them at the top, okay. So you think you think the Kings are the biggest threat to the Suns? Okay. Well, I got you. I'm yeah. I think so. I mean, I think the Kings have to look at if they're thinking the Suns are the team to watch out for. The Kings have to have that same mindset. Look, they did win that division, right? I mean, as yeah. good as it was, and all everybody made it with Phoenix adding all those players, the Lakers redirecting, and you know some of those teams still look. Uh, the Kings, anybody that gets injured um has some risks here but if you start to look at age of some of these other teams if you're predicting injuries which is you know no one wants injuries but the warriors are an older team the lakers are an older team the suns are an older team and the clippers are older than the key so i feel like now there's younger elements to all those but all those teams probably run a higher risk than sacramento so um yeah i think the kings you know for them i think the suns if we're putting them at the top the suns have to look right at the kings who won the division last year I mean, and this is not just a Homer answer. I think the Kings are a threat in their own way to everybody, um, mm-hmm. especially because of the age thing and how the Kings play. I think the Kings are a big threat to the Los Angeles Clippers because for some reason, Sacramento always just seems to play them tough. And yeah. I'll, I'll believe that team stays healthy when I see it, especially with their core two of Paul George and, and uh, Kawhi Leonard. And even going back to last season, like the Clippers threw the literal best that they could at Sacramento and still lost in that absolutely crazy uh, double overtime game in Los Angeles. But I also think I also think the Kings are a pretty big threat to the Golden State Warriors. I really do. I think the Warriors, the addition of Chris Paul is confusing, but I'm interested. I'm intrigued. And I think the Warriors know how close they were to losing that series. And it took Steph Curry literally putting the entire franchise on his back in order for them to make it past Sacramento. And that was in the first year of this Kings team together. So yeah. I think the Kings are a massive threat to the Golden State Warriors. I I mean, I I feel pretty confident in saying and and of course, it might end up getting me yelled at on Twitter again by Warrior fandom. But I think if the Kings and Warriors met in the playoffs again, I think we'd have a very different outcome. I just that's that's the feeling that I have at this point, and I'm excited about the opportunity to prove that. Yeah, let's see it again. Let's do it again, part two. All right, what about the biggest mistake from last season that the Kings will fix this year, or at least will look better? I guess I'm going to go to defense. I mean, right? That's an area, a point of emphasis. Should be a point of emphasis. It was a point of emphasis during the year, and it. It, it got better at times. I think as the year went along before the postseason, we'd see less straight line drives, less breakdowns. And Mike Brown was so good at that where he'd burn a timeout right away and basically say, nope, unacceptable, can't make it happen. 
but they, they've got to do more. I mean, they do more of that more consistently. And I think even the numbers show as great as they were offensively. I mean, could they have been the 18th ranked defense, 15th ranked defense, not even talking the top five. So uh, growth has to happen there. That's, that's where they have to get better. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yesterday, Jay Ross, I did a, an episode where I kind of dive dove into like some trends with the Sacramento Kings and I found some really positive trends. And I also found some surprising trends like the Kings had only won 36% of their games or something like that, in which they had two or three days of rest and they only won like 35% of their games in which they actually had the rest advantage. So that's something I expect this Kings team to fix this year is taking better advantage of the times when the schedule is on their side a little bit. Now they were pretty solid with the rest disadvantage and they were very solid. They won like 70% of games where both teams were equal in terms of rest advantage or disadvantage. So that was positive, but those were clear ways that I could see, Hey, this is how the Kings can improve without saying fix the defense. Right. Cause right. everybody knows that needs to be corrected, but this is an area where the Kings, I think with their offense can naturally just get better is handling the games after their rest days a little bit. So that'll be, that would be the answer to my question. Got a couple more here to sneak in. This one's fun. I like the idea of this blank has to happen in order for Mike Brown to repeat as coach of the year. <laughs> um, 60 plus wins and the one seed. Yep. <laughs> I'm a, exact same answer with me. Like we're, that has to be a Kings have to be undeniable for, in order for this to happen just because repeat coach of the year doesn't happen too often, but I'm with you. I'm with you on that one. I would love to see that happen. That would be pretty incredible. And then that feeds into this final one. The Kings are most likely to win the blank award. My I, my bold prediction on that, uh, and this is going to be an individual, so you trying to make this team or can I give you an individual? Individual is perfect. I think De'Aaron Fox goes back-to-back on the Clutch Award. Ooh, I like yeah. that. Yeah. I mean, he's built for that. The team, <laughs> unfor- well, I don't know, unfortunately or fortunately, we were part of it, but played a ton of close games, so he's put in those moments a lot, and he is clearly the number one option to me on this team late in games like that, so... I think metrically he has a, you know, the numbers just kind of line up. And if I'm going to make a bold prediction on a, on a Kings award, because I mean, what they got last year, I mean, Brown's going to be about impossible to win uh, MVP. I think would be really, really difficult. They don't have really, I mean, they do have a rookie in Colby Jones, but I don't see that happening. Uh, maybe a most Sasha. improved Sasha too. Or true. True. Excuse me. You're right. But a uh, most improved, uh, I don't know, but I, I think I'm going with De'Aaron uh, going back to back on the, the clutch award. So I was debating with that because I do think that is De'Aaron Fox's award, basically. Uh, it's it, I'm going back and forth with that and Keegan winning most improved player. Like If Keegan has the jump that the Kings want him to make, and this might be too big of an ask for year two, and I totally recognize that and, and, and appreciate that. But if Keegan Murray can put together a handful of games that looked like how he played in the California Classic, and I'm not talking 40, 50 points or anything like that. I'm just talking about he is clearly the guy get out of his way. Like, right. can you imagine if the Kings are in a position where more than once in a blue moon in the fourth quarter of a close game, Fox can draw all the attention and just dump off to Keegan on the opposite end of the floor and the defense can't leave Fox. So Keegan just gets to go to work and even Sabonis can stand out of the way and watch like how lethal does that make the Sacramento Kings? So I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, trying to make that happen, speak that into existence. So I think Keegan <laughs> winning uh, most improved player would be uh, would be pretty cool. 
And if that just happened on that platform and nothing, no other context, I mean, how good is this team? Yeah. Right. Without even knowing the year Fox, Sabonis, Monk, Vazenka, anybody else had, if Keegan was named most improved, this team's going to be really good. Can't wait to see it happen. Can't wait for Kings basketball to return. We got media day coming up here in just a little bit. Preseason basketball soon. Training camp, which I'm really excited about. And then the Kings home opener, Kings season opener in Utah, Kings home opener uh, against the Golden State Warriors. We're diving right back into it head first, and that's what I love. So I I can't wait for Kings basketball. Of course, Jay Ross, you're going to be all over the coverage of that with G-Man, Henry Turner, and the entire broadcast team, Deuce Mason on the radio side of things. Of course, you'll be balancing Sac State duties as well with that. So uh, light the sting. Light the sting. Yeah, light the sting. I I appreciate you, Jay Ross. Thank you so much for making time for this as usual. Can't wait to do it again. Yeah, thank you, Matt. Huge thank you again to Jay Ross for joining me here on Locked on Kings. Hope you enjoyed those fill-in-the-blanks. Again, if you want to share your answers to them, send them to me on Twitter at MattGeorgeSack. Email me, MattGeorgeSports at gmail.com. Or leave your thoughts in the YouTube comment section down below. If you are... Not a fan of college football, or if you are, you think college football doesn't really matter because we're in the Sacramento area and it's just not as big here on the West Coast as it is in other places of the uh, of the country. Check out the Sac State Hornets; they're a fun, very fun football team. They play really, really good football. They they just had like a twenty three or twenty four game win streak that was just snapped, at least regular season win streak that was just snapped. Uh, And Jay Ross does a phenomenal job broadcasting Sac State Hornets football. Uh, really captures the excitement and the energy of that team. So check him out uh, with that too. And if you see uh, see Jay Ross at a game, make sure you go up and say hi to him too because he's literally the nicest man and the greatest man on the planet. But I appreciate him for joining me. I appreciate you for joining me. Can't wait to have you join me on the next episode of Lockdown Kings. Until then, my name is Matt George. You've been listening to the Lockdown Kings podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. <laughs>